Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we just want to thank you for the privilege to be together. And, Lord, we just want to just just uh, receive of your fullness. Lord, um, we just want to receive of your fullness. Lord, we just know that you're one who uh, just fully satisfies. Lord, uh, I just ask that this this period of time that we have the chance to spend together, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that it's not something where we just gain some head knowledge, but Lord, I just pray that the reality of you may permeate our souls. God, I just, uh, and Lord, I ask for revelation to occur. Revelation that just sinks deep within us. Revelation of you and your goodness. Oh, God, let it be, Lord. Let it be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I'm going to be uh, sharing a lot that a lot of you are, have heard me say before, a lot of past scriptures, but that's okay. And I'm not, This is the last time I'm going to apologize for it. You have heard it, but that's part of the, that's part of the problem. But... Uh, but, you know, the cool thing is about God's Word, whenever I say, think I've read a past scripture thousands of times and think I've got the truth about that passage of scripture, and then when I, and I'll read it one time and I'm going, whoa! Where was that? You know? Like Psalm 37, 4. You know, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. For years I read that from the standpoint, you know, well, you know, you delight yourself in the Lord. He will get, give you the, the things, the desires that you have had in your heart. But the reality is that a Chad and I, in fact, we were talking about this yesterday. My honest conviction about that passage of Scripture is, is that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us the desires. He gives us the desires in our heart. It talks about how the Lord is the one who fashions our hearts. And in that place that when he just, uh, I'm just getting off here. But, but you know, but how a pastor's scripture, all of a sudden when you see it, where we'll have a tendency to interpret it from our want, our desires, rather than when I see it from another angle and what really God's saying, I believe God's saying, it just rings boom. And, uh, and when, here's the really cool thing, y'all, is that when I realize that his desires are what's best, that's really what I want. Not my desires. And uh, I was telling the crew this morning when I was in the, uh, I'm getting off here, but that's okay. I was telling the crew this morning about how God, you know, how many times we pray from a, war, a, war, a warped point of view. And many times we pray and we're desiring for the thing that really is going to bring us death. But when I was in, like in the fifth grade, there was this guy, this guy named Wes who had a broken arm. And when I watched him get this broken arm, you know, it meant everybody just made over him. You know, they, oh, can I help you, Wes? Oh, you know, the teacher would you know, allow people to go off. And I'm just seeing Wes get all this attention. And so I'm going, wow, I want a broken arm. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. And I would pray at night, Lord, let me have a broken arm. I mean, serious. You know, that's really sick. But, you know, I've heard, see, I've seen brothers and sisters pray for many other things that were <laughs> just about the same sickness. But what it was, it was a little boy that was longing to be accepted. 
and experience fullness, what we're talking about. And so many times we ask for things that would be the very thing that would break us and kill us. And God, and I just bless God that I did not get a broken arm. God did not give me the, <laughs> the desires of my heart. You know, but God has good stuff. But we're going to talk about needs. Jesus, the fulfiller of our needs, and and like, uh, you know, it's this this book is a it's it's just it's nowhere near what all Jesus is. How can you take a picture of a? It's like I feel like. You're taking a, a snapshot of Mount Everest right in front of you. You're not taking the panoramic view of it, but here you are standing on Mount Everest and you just take a picture. And here I am, one person, catching the fullness of Jesus, and I'm going, okay, Jesus, I'm going to talk about your fullness. And you take a snapshot. And, and, and Jesus is going, I'm a whole lot bigger than this this book. And that's what Tully was talking about. I said, you write a book. And, oh, you think you got something. And you realize, dude, I don't have it's not all. That's not it. So you add more and more and more, you know. And God adds more to your life, and that's what we're dealing with there. But there was two passages of Scripture that God, a number of years back, just awakened in my heart about the fullness. The fullness of Jesus. And uh, and one of them is in, is in, uh, in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus tells the disciples to get in the boat. We're going to the other side of the lake. Well, they get in the, in the boat, and they start going to the other side of the lake, and you know the story. Just like any time that Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat, they encountered a what? A storm. And so they get in this storm. In the midst of this storm, you know, the disciples, they encounter a lack. In fact... That's what this whole thing is about. I just want to say this, y'all, is we're dealing with fullness versus lack. This whole three or four four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, is dealing with fullness versus lack. And if you would look with me in that passage of scripture when we in Luke chapter eight. Well, let's go to the Mark four one. It's uh, Mark four verse thirty five. Luke eight's the same, but there's a there's something in the the Mark 4 passage I want to pick up, rather. And Jesus says, let's go over to the other side of the lake, leaving the crowd they took along with them in the boat. And just as he was in the other boats were with him, there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They awoke him, they woke him, and he said to them, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing now y'all the boat was already filling up the boat was experiencing what lack in relationship to the environment they're facing now y'all y'all know this that this world's filled with lack and there was one thing that god's been showing me and i don't have time to go into full detail of it was that i spoke to sort of the interns this, this last last week or last week but how when god created the heavens and earth in first verse two did we see the earth was formless and void whereas you know, it was just incomplete. And then all of a sudden, God starts this process in creation. Even when, even when he gets to man, he tells man, he gives man authority over the earth, and he says, subdue it. All the way up, each step, the earth is going from, from chaos, emptiness, disorder into order. But then all of a sudden, we see when, in Genesis 3, when sin enters in the world, things reverse. 
when things start going into from order into disorder. It's like I always say that we can take this book and we could close this room off and we could just lay it on this table or anything in this room. We could just all just leave this room right real quick right now and leave, not come back, lock it up, and let nobody come in here and mess with anything. But y'all, we come back in about a year, everything would start to what? Deteriorate. That's a characteristic in the, in this realm. And things go from order to disorder. That's a characteristic. This world is lack. And part of the problem is with Christians, in, well, in the world, is trying to deal with the lack that is in the world. But the question is, is how do we deal with it? Well, the disciples are in this boat, and this boat has lack. It has the inability to deal with the environment in which it's in. So they do what? They get fearful, and they go, Jesus, we're perishing. Now, I cannot tell you how many people I've sat and counseled down through the years, and they've looked at me and go, I'm perishing. I'm perishing. You know, relationships busted. Um, a business is falling apart, and they feel like they're perishing. I mean, it, it, many different scenarios. And what they're dealing with, they're sort of going, okay, I'm facing a lack, and I don't know how to deal with it. It's like the disciples. They go, Jesus, we're perishing. But I love it with Jesus. They wake him up. Now, where's he at? Where is he? He's asleep. What? In the back of the boat. Right? He's asleep. He's at peace. In the midst of a storm. And the cool thing to me is they wake him up. Here Jesus is at peace, asleep in the boat. He gets up in peace, speaks to the storm, what? Peace, hush, and the storm does what? Comes. He faced lack, I'm going to say it this way, with fullness. And guess what? The fullness in him changed the lack that he was encountering. And that's what God has been just really speaking into my heart down through the years, is that, Rick, okay, you know, what fills you will affect the lack that you encounter. Now, if you're in lack and you face lack, guess what? And that's what many times I, I, I've, you all heard me say this when I've run across this past scripture. I'm in an airplane or something and flying and all of a sudden we encounter this crazy turbulence. And I'm going, I remember Jesus. Well, Jesus in the midst of the storm goes, peace. You know, and, and I, so I start saying peace in the midst of the storm. And the more I say peace, the more it what? Plane shakes. And many times I'm going, oh, God, this worked for Jesus. Why is this working for me? And the Lord spoke to me not long ago and he said, Rick, when you've been speaking peace, you ain't speaking peace out of fullness of peace. You're speaking peace out of lack. See, what is it that fills us? Is when that which is fills us, is going to determine what affects the lack. You following me? Well, you go, that's Jesus. Well, let's go to another one. Go to Acts chapter 3, where the disciples are uh, faced with the lack. Peter and John.
know, there's a man at the gate, beautiful. He's been there for a long time. He's crippled. He's in lack. And this statement that Peter and John have said has really just spurred me on in many different things in my life. And uh, all of a sudden, this guy's hollering out for alms. And Peter looks at him. Now, y'all have heard me say this many times probably, but here we go. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have, so I'm not full of that. I got a lack there. But let me just say this. What I do have, what I do have, what I do have, y'all, in the name of Jesus, what? Rise up and walk. So what Peter had was... He was filled, so filled with the reality of the name of Jesus. In fact, you see later on in chapter 4 when Peter and John are all brought before the Pharisees about this whole thing. And Peter said, it's just faith in the name of Jesus that has made this man well. The reality of Jesus in him was they're so real that what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And y'all, that's what, I'm going to be honest with you, the world is in a is, is structured in such a way, Satan being the ruler of it, is to suck the very fullness out of you. Chad and Sasha and Melena and I went to the hospital yesterday where Brandon was at. You know, Brandon's in intense pain, and when you see somebody you love, you know, it just sort of it, it gets you. And then we go down. I go down to, into the uh, um, CCU uh, ward where Roger Dickerson's at, and all you see is pain and suffering, and you just see this. And if it's, you're not careful, you just feel this it'll try to stake it'll try to take fullness out of you the fullness of jesus where that you can step into the situation and scenario and speak fullness to it there's times in my life where god has graced me where i can feel fullness like one time a friend of mine who was dealing with uh who had just had a massive heart attack and i'm standing there in the in the er with the wife and and he shows us, the doctor shows us the EKG, and he shows us the blood enzyme levels, and he says, Miss Morris, uh, your son has just had a, uh, has had a massive heart attack. And so, you know, we need to, it's serious. So I went in and seen him, and I just filled with a confidence of Jesus, and I walked into his, in his, into the, they put him in, he was in ICU by then. I walked in there, and I, I just spoke Jesus to him. He accepted Jesus. And I just prayed over him, Jesus, be healed. And the really cool thing to me is when he next morning he gets up, when he awakes, and they run the same test, EKGs and the blood levels, which usually the next morning, if I'm not mistaken, heart attacks, the blood levels go up, the enzyme levels go up. Well, his blood levels went normal. EKG was normal. And not long after that, they just checked him out and said, take aspirin. I'm like, yeah, God, fullness. In the midst of emptiness caused things to be changed. Or, and so that's what we're after, the fullness. Now, two things I want you to look at, though. There's two things that we got to wrestle with. The fullness of Jesus in Him, we have been complete or full. And or also, fullness of the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine, where it's excess, be filled with the Spirit. 
or a scenario of fullness in relationship to the gifts of the Spirit being manifested. In fact, look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 11. And let's look at a, a couple of scenarios. Because many times I see brothers and sisters and Lord, you know, you see them you come into a worship service and they experience God's fullness and they're going, wow, man, I mean, you see them get ministered to under the power of God and Man, God is so real. You know, we do these youth camps. We've done these youth camps down at Living Waters or out here at our place or, or many times on a, we're, we're in church service and you experience God's fullness and you see it. You see it, you feel it, and you walk out of the place and you end up, and you experience